What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily. I'm Andrea Renee, and joining me is the Rogue One, Gary Witta. I just know. I just. I, I don't know if you if you've been doing this for a while or from just now noticing it, but I just noticed that you start with what's good. You get the, you get your little branding in there right away. That's very clever. I, like I that. do. Yeah. Instead of what's up, it's what's good. It's true. I like that. Is that. Did you just start that or have you been doing that for no, a while? No, it's been that way for I'm quite some time. I'm just now noticing. I'm nothing if not slow on the uptake. But thank you. I'm, I'm so happy to be here alongside you. Me too, Gary. It's been a long time since we've hosted together. It's been a while. I think we've only done, what, maybe four or five shows together We've done total? a few. We've done a few. It's only, you know, only ever really happens when the office is, as it is right now, is totally cleared out and they need all the extra help they can get. They, it's they, true. They have to put us together. Otherwise, I, you I get think, stuck I, with Fran. I think people like it when we host together. I think we're a good good combo. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm indifferent about it, but, you know, I think the, I, I think <laughs> Thanks, the viewers... Gary. I think the viewers like it. <laughs> I'm indifferent about it. You know what? I shouldn't do that. You know, I have this, like, it's part of my brand that I'm kind of addicted to people on camera. I should really just stick to Greg. I feel like Greg is the only one that really deserves that kind of contempt, though. Thank you. You and Tim and, and Fran and the other people I host with, they're all delightful. So I'll try to be nicer. I appreciate Okay. That. All right. Good. If you didn't know, this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here at twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We bring you the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, you can subscribe at YouTube youtube.com slash what's good games oops Freudian slip <gasps> youtube.com too slash much kind of funny games. <laughs> dial it back it's too much <laughs> or you can subscribe to kind of funny games daily on podcast services around the globe <laughs> don't forget if you guys are watching live at twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we need you to help keep us honest especially since gary is here that That's means right. you need to go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and let me let us know what we screwed up as we screwed it up and of course, if you guys want to be part of the show, we want to hear from you your questions, your PSN names, maybe your Xbox IDs or your Steam or Epic Game Store tags. If you are looking to squad up, you can go ahead to patreon.com slash games, where bronze members and above get to write in and silver members or above get the ad free show. So we're going to be talking about a couple of different things today. We've got some news on NPD sales numbers for the month of April. There's a rumor about a Half-Life 2 remake. What's that about? And, you got my attention. <laughs> and we're going to say goodbye to the Ouya. Um, so before we get into the news, we've got some housekeeping. Greg and Tim, as we mentioned, are not here because they're in Florida. So they're there for the Full Sail Hall of Fame. You can see them tonight at their on-campus meet and greet. That's Wednesday at 1 p.m., which I believe is right now, right? Uh, on the East Coast? East Coast time, yeah. It's 1.06 p.m. Yeah, right now. It's, ha it's happening now. right now. So, so you're, if you're in Florida and you're watching us, Leave. pull up Twitch Run. on your phone and head on over to Building 3EB Lobby. That is the Full Sail Hall of Fame meet and greet. But then later on tonight, there's going to be an open to the public meet and greet. And I forgot to put those details in the show notes once again. Oh, Kevin, if you can pull those up for me, I that would no be idea. excellent. How, how would I find that? You would find that on Greg's Twitter. That's at Game Over Greggy. He, he does the Twitter thing quite frequently. So the main meetup is tonight. <clears throat> the main, the open to the public, yes. The meet, the meet and greet this afternoon is only open to full sale students and staff. But the one tonight is open to everybody. I believe it is an all-ages event because Greg was talking about tombstone yeah, he was pile gonna, he was driving pile somebody's some kid. Poor kid yeah. um, <laughs> some 10-year-old kid is going to have a really rough day there we today. Go. 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., all ages, uh, time, right? at Deadly Sins Brewery, which is at 750 Jackson Avenue in Winter Park, Florida. There you go. Why does he take his shirt off so much? Well, he, just, he can't help himself. Yeah, he's like. Does he actually think people want to see that? No, no. I think he's just simple-minded and like this. <laughs> yeah, he knows it's funny. He just wants to free the lowest his common nipples, you know? Just wants to you know eliminate the chafing from the t-shirt. We all get it. All right, moving on from that <laughs> housekeeping. Uh, speaking of meet and greets. I'm going to be in London with the What's Good crew this weekend on Sunday, May 26th oh, cool. at the Marquee of Westminster from 3 to 6 p.m. If you guys are in the London or UK area and you're interested, I've heard there's going to be um, a rollout of Kind of Funny Best Friends that are going to be there as well. So What's it's very taking exciting. you to London? 
Uh, the Spice Girls reunion tour. Oh, seriously? You're going <laughs> to yeah. go see it there? Yeah. Are they not coming? They're going to they be coming not, here. No, they're only doing dates in the UK and in Ireland. That's it. Oh, that's it's not like a world tour or anything? No, they but call it are, a world tour, world tour, but they're not. And but I'm you're hardcore enough that you're going to go. You're going to travel halfway across the world to see them. Listen, when you've had too many drinks and you're hanging out with Brit and Steimer, sometimes you buy tickets to Spice Girls in Manchester. It happens. <laughs> oh, man. That's going to be that's gonna be off the hook. You're going yeah. to have... Have you ever seen them live? No. This is your first time? My first time. Seeing them. Wait, hold on. Have you ever seen them live, Gary? I'm I'm old enough to have done. I mean, I remember buying their first uh, their first album when it when it first came out. I lived in the UK when they first you know became a thing, and it was a big sensation. Oh, I have all their albums, even the one where Jerry was like, "Peace, I gotta do my own thing." I have her solo album too. All great. Now they're not all back, are they? No. Posh, posh is a holdout. Posh said no thanks. Does that take Does that take anything out of it for you? Is no. that a bit of a bummer? Does she Honestly, think she's she above it? Is that the weakest link? Let's be honest. She doesn't, but she's the one that also needs it the least, right? All of you can imagine that all yeah. of them could probably use the money apart from Posh. <laughs> well, don't you think? I mean, no, they're all pretty successful. <laughs> but Posh is you, but in posh, terms of like who needs the money yeah, the yeah, least. No, it's got to be Posh, right? Correct. Okay. I mean, needs the money the least, but they're not doing it for the money. Why do you think did she? If they has she spoken about why she chose not to participate? I believe she put out an official statement, but I don't know what it is. It's a bummer, but you. But she was never your favorite anyway. Oh no. Who's your? I want to see if we have the same favorite. Who's your favorite? Ginger. I. <laughs> Jerry Halliwell was my fave. Yeah. Yeah. I like. Yeah, you know, I like Jerry. My my favorite was always Sporty. I like Sporty Spice. Yeah. I, always felt, I, I just I just personally liked her, but I always felt like she was the one that people that people seem to when you people talk about Spice Girl, she's the one that people least think of. Though she was like the most overlooked one, but I always liked her. Oh. She was she always seemed like Disagree. she was having the most fun. Yeah, like she doing was the karate great. kicks and stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I liked her a lot too. All right, Gary. We have to thank our Patreon producers, Blackjack, Tombach, and Muhammad Muhammad. And today we're brought to you by Quip and Third Love, but we'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. We've got four items on the Roper Report. A baker's dozen. Oh, thanks, Kevin. All right, first up, we've got NPD numbers for the month of April, and Mortal Kombat 11 and Days Gone are the best selling games. So this write-up comes from Colin Stevens over at IGN. The NPD report for April 2019 is in, and Mortal Kombat 11 and Days Gone were the month's best-selling games in the United States. The report, with analysis from Matt Piscatella, friend of the show, notes that Mortal Kombat 11 instantly became the second best-selling game of 2019 year-to-date, and was the best-selling game on every platform it was released on. PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. This is the first time a third-party published game has been Nintendo Switch's best-selling title since Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle was released in 2017. Days Gone debut month sales ranked as the seventh highest in history for a Sony published game. And at the time it was since released, it has already become the best selling game developed by Sony Bend in lifetime revenue. Coming in at third place is MLB 19 The Show, which is the best selling sports game of 2019 year to date. Following this are The Division 2, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and Grand Theft Auto 5. That game just will it never die. It just will die. not stop selling, will it? That's, a, that, that's amazing when you think about it, isn't it? It's still yeah. in the top 10 years, years after. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts 3 remains the best-selling game of 2019 year-to-date, however, and the top 10 best-selling games for April excuse me, April, are as follows. Mortal Kombat 11, number one. Number two, Days Gone. Number three, MLB 19, The Show. Number four, The Division. Number five, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Number six, Grand Theft Auto 5. Number seven, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Number eight, Call of Duty, Black Ops 4. Number nine, NBA 2K19. And number 10, Yoshi's Crafted World. Dollar sales of video game software is up 15% when compared to April 2018, while hardware spending decreased by 29%. Nintendo Switch was the best-selling hardware platform of both April 2019 and year to date. So before we get into our analysis of these numbers, we got a couple of people that wrote into patreon.com slash games. First up, we've got the nanobiologists. Happy Widow Wednesday, Gary and Andrea. The NPD numbers are here. And surprisingly, Days Gone is number two for the month of April. But still, shout out to Kingdom Hearts 3 for being number one for the year so far. The game was slammed by critics for being too long, repetitive, buggy, and just plain odd with the VO sometimes, but it still seemed to do really well. Is this because it is a Sony exclusive and in a Sony exclusive drought, and that any exclusive on the PlayStation can do well with how many units have been sold? 
I'm just speculating because NPD does not take into account product returns, like with the GameStop guaranteed to love it deal. But does this mean that many players are now not fully listening to critics and forming their own opinions more about games? This seems like a drum that gets banged regularly whenever a low-scored game sells well, but I thought it'd be good to bring it up again. Thanks, the nanobiologist. What is the uh, guaranteed to love it deal? Do you know how that works? Um, you have 48 hours to return a game to GameStop. Okay. So 48 hours from the time you purchase the game, you can bring it back for a full refund minus taxes and you get in-store credit. That's pretty good. For the purchase price. Right. Within 48 hours. You can technically open the game, play the game, return it within 48 hours and get um, credit for it minus tax. That's good. Good for GameStop. I like that. Yeah. I think it's a great policy. Yeah. And 48 hours is enough to know whether or not you... you. I don't know. I mean, sometimes I've, I've had games where in the first couple of days I'm like, eh, but then like it it, it, it clicks like maybe a few days in. Mm-hmm. But I think for in most cases, you know whether or not you're going to want to return it. I yeah. get that. That's cool. I agree. All right. I think, you know, a solid five to ten hour session with a game, like five hours the first day, maybe five hours the second day, we'll be able to, you'll you'll know if you're like, yeah, I'm down to keep trying this, or if you're like, this is not my speed. Yeah. So Mortal Kombat 11, not really a surprise, right? Hugely oh, anticipated, huge franchise, yeah. very well received. The only, the only negative uh, commentary I saw on Mortal Kombat 11, and there was quite a bit of it, was people didn't like the grind. They didn't like the, uh, the, the microtransactions and the grind. So that was a whole part of the game that I never really explored. I really did not care for the crypt in the previous Mortal Kombat, and it was one of my biggest concerns while previewing the game that they were going to bring it back, and sadly they did. However... Crypt aside, there's a lot of ways to earn things in-game um, that don't require microtransactions. But the thing that Tim and I um, agreed on was that the story campaign is so incredibly well done that for us, that was worth the price of Just entry alone. alone. Yeah, okay. But obviously a lot of people love the PvP aspect and the online multiplayer and the towers. There's a ton of different combat towers that you can do to extend your gameplay experience. So... I thought NetherRealm did a great job with the game. Do I care for the crypt? No. Would I like to see it go away? Yes. Right. Did it ruin the game for me? Absolutely not. So, so not, a, so, but certainly not a surprise to see it at number one. Mortal Kombat obviously is uh, bigger than ever. Days Gone, I, I saw this story the other day that it sold a ton of copies, and it, it, it was slightly surprising because yeah, it didn't, it didn't gel with the critical reception. But it didn't get bad scores. So this is the thing that I think is important to remember. It got. You know, like mostly six, sevens, and eights. We got a couple nines and like some outlier tens. And just, and just, but just but, so we're clear, as far as like Sony's concerned, critically, that's not, they would not consider that a success. Six, sevens, and eights well, for a triple A game like that. Well, I mean, if you think about it, most triple A games get between seven and eight. Like okay. an eight is a great score for a game. Very few games get nines and tens. And I right. think that that's something we have to, we always bring up every time we talk about critical versus consumer reception on games is that this misconception that if a game gets an eight or a seven, that it's a bad game. And that's just not true. No, I think I, 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 I totally agree with that. I'm just saying that Days Gone seemed to me like it belonged in that kind of triple A plus category where it had been in development for a long time. It got super, super hyped. It was really, really ambitious. It seemed like it had the potential to be one of those nine or 10 out of 10 games it absolutely did especially since you know greg and i chatted about this after the preview event that we went to where we got to play like three to four hours i got closer to four to five hours with the game and that slice that they showed us i think really got us excited for it to have potential to be a nine i don't think this game was maybe ever going to be a 10 because of the style of game um that it was and those types of games open world games like that very rarely get tens because they tend to be more broken or have the opportunity for more bugs than like a single player linear narrative experience for example yeah but that being said we didn't understand how the mechanics within the game and how the narrative was going to play out long term um again like to be to be clear days gone is not a bad game I never said Days Gone was a bad game. I just had enough issues with it that it wasn't my favorite game. And the unfortunate part for Sony Interactive Entertainment is that they've set the bar so high. We're coming off of PlayStation, Spider-Man 4, and God of War, right? And so for the next game to big temple game to follow to be Days Gone, I mean, they had incredibly big shoes to fill. Yeah. So I think if you look at 
the review aggregate score overall once all the reviews are in. Yeah, it came out like as a you know, pretty good but not great. I was just kind of surprised because when the f- when it first dropped and the first big reviews like Polygon and you know Kotaku and IGN and the big sites got in there, some of those some of those uh, sites I remember reading like Patrick Klepek's review, like they, they really put the boot in. Like they really did not like it. They were quite hostile reviews. And I remember thinking, oh shit, like this game's going to be a flop. But then overall, the reviews kind of you know it, it, it picked up a little bit and it came out. Pretty Pretty good, but the, again, the surprise is the the reviews were great. Uh, sorry, the reviews were good, but not great. But the sales are in fact great. So I wonder if it if, if a lot of people looked at the reviews and went, oh, I don't care. This looks like the kind of game I want to play anyway." Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the reviews were uh, were somewhat disregarded because there is a def- there is a discrepancy between just how tremendously well the game's been selling and the reviews, which I think, uh, like I said, were 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 pretty good, but not necessarily the sort of reviews that lead to like a game being super successful. Right. I mean, in the thing I think we're also looking at is that when we're talking about exclusives, their success is always going to be tempered by the fact that they can only be bought on a single platform. That too. Right? And so I think it's awesome that they did as well as they did given those constraints. So, I mean, congrats to Ben for having their most successful game ever. Yeah, I mean, look um, at this. Days Gone. I mean, obviously, I'm MLB The Show as well, but Days Gone... It was only beaten by Mortal Kombat 11, which is a huge, huge title on multiple platforms, and beat out The Division 2, which is a mm-hmm. huge, huge title on multiple platforms. So it well, must have The Division really 2 well. launched in March. Right. So, I mean, I wasn't su- suspecting that they would maintain sales, and Ubisoft has already come forward to say it hasn't performed as well as they expected right. it to. Um, I do think it's really interesting... Um, how far down the list um, Sekiro is because I thought that game was going to do better. Um, That's been out this... for a while as well, though, right? Well, not that long. I think. Isn't it, but didn't it come out around the same time as Division Two? Let me double check the release date on that. Really quickly, yes, it did. March twenty second. Okay. Um, something I also wanted to mention: we have another reader mail about MPD. This one comes from. Suck sandwich. Suck sandwich? Uh, Gary and Andrea. The U.S. NPD results for April are in, and not surprisingly, Mortal Kombat 11 was the best-selling game last month. What is surprising, however, is that MK11 was the best-selling game on Nintendo Switch in April, even beating out Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. This is the first time, which we already talked about, that the Switch game has topped the best-sellers list. While MK11 on Switch isn't perfect port by any means, it is a very competent one that runs just about as well as its more powerful counterparts. So many Switch ports are half-assed, and so many companies seem to pass up the console. I assume because it's seen as a lot of work with not a lot of return. However, MK11 clearly says otherwise, and Bethesda has said that they've had similar success with their Switch ports. Should developers and publishers be looking at Switch as a more viable platform for some of the bigger third-party titles, or is this a fluke? Thanks for all you do. I mean, you could argue that Mortal Kombat 11 is a special case because it is such a massive brand and people, you know, people are going to be interested in it no matter what. Um, I do think there's a point to be made. You know, we've been saying for a while now that for indie developers, Switch has emerged as a really lucrative platform to develop on. A lot of developers have said our best sales have been on Switch. Uh, which is great, but it, but Mortal Kombat 11 again, the huge brand name aside, you can't totally disregard that. Perhaps demonstrates that yeah, don't phone in the Switch version. There's money. There's money to be made there. I know. Obviously, you don't have as much. Um, I don't know. Have you seen Mortal Kombat 11 on the Switch? Does it look good? I, I have not. But I, so we know it's going to be downgraded a little bit, but I imagine it still looks pretty pretty great. I mean, the visuals on a 4K TV on a PlayStation 4 Pro are amazing. Yeah, and so. I would be hard-pressed to be convinced if I had both consoles to play Mortal Kombat on my Switch because the input controls are so precise and you have to be very cautious of which buttons you're hitting when. It's it's not very forgiving in that sense. Right. But if all of you if all you have is a Switch, then absolutely, you know, check it out, get Mortal Kombat because there's so few third-party AAA offerings um, on the Switch as it is. If you think about it, if you're a Switch owner, the most of the titles that have been released in 2019 for you have been indies. There haven't been that many AAA games that have come out this year for Switch. And the idea that it beats out Super Smash Bros. is kind of a an interesting thing to ponder because Smash has been out for several months now. Yeah. Like, of course it should beat Smash, you know? Like, people, you would assume that people who have a Switch that are interested in Smash bought the game a long time ago. Um, but what else is competing with a game 
the caliber of Mortal Kombat on Switch right now. I think if you've got a Switch, the compelling reasons to, to own one are, you know, first and foremost, obviously the big first party titles from Nintendo. Secondly, the inc- what has now emerged as an incredible selection of great indie titles. Mm-hmm. And then third place is like, you know, the, the big third party AAA ports, which are good but not great. It's, not, it's nice that we have them. Again, this is the first time in a really long time that a Nintendo console has even gotten these. You remember like in the age of the Wii and the Wii U, like we weren't, they weren't even bothering Mm-mm. to put these games on those platforms because the the sales weren't there the the, the sale the sales of the switch now are good enough that they can't ignore it and they have to put model combat and these in these big games on the switch i think one of the problems though with porting games to switch in the era of game making that we're at we're at the end of the life cycle for xbox one and playstation 4 and the games are bigger and require more processing power than ever and the switch just cannot graphically handle a lot of the games that are third party uh, that you find on PC or the other two consoles. And I think that's probably why you don't see a lot of ports or if you do see some ports, they're typically not as good as what you would find on the other systems. I hope that, you know, we can see that change, but I don't know how it's going to be going into the next generation of consoles that are even more powerful, especially if you look at the the PlayStation Five demo that we watched yesterday on the show. Did you see that footage at all? I, Gary? I, I saw the suit. I saw like the the almost immediate loading times, which is pretty impressive, and yeah. the zipping through the streets thing that looked pretty good. So, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm can't wait. Yeah, I'm very excited. And so it's it, it leaves us with the question of where does Nintendo fit into the ongoing you know console generation cycles? Because they're off cycle this time. They're inevitably going to be off cycle for next time. Are they just finally going to forever be on their own island saying, we're Nintendo, our focus has always been our first party titles, and that's just the way it is? Yeah, absolutely. Nothing has changed. Nintendo's always, that's always what Nintendo has been. Nintendo has always said, we are not interested in fighting the same war and playing the same game as Sony and Microsoft. Let them do the hardware dick measuring contest. You know, who's got the fastest machine? Who's got the most exclusives? Let's, you know, let them let them have that one-on-one fight. We'll just be over here doing our own thing. We have a, ma- you know, we... we make we a have, Labo VR. We have, yeah, we, we, we're going we're gonna to make shit out of cardboard over here. You guys fight <laughs> over there. We're going to make some shit out of cardboard. Um, we're going we're gonna to have the most amazing first party. You, I, I don't think anyone would argue Nintendo's got the best first party games of any, of any platform. Um, we have now this incredible array, uh, array of, of indies, and you're going to get pretty decent service on the AAA ports as well, which is something that pro- that's something they weren't even able to say for the last couple of platforms. So Nintendo's just going to keep on Nintendoing and and making a ton of money doing it. I don't think you know the whole. They've never really cared about like who's got the best hardware specs. They have they have something completely different, which is this amazing kind of hybrid portable desktop console. It's a totally different kind of thing. People clearly don't. I think most people don't care about. Um, you know, as long as it isn't like hugely noticeable, if the frame rate's a little bit slower or the resolution isn't as high, most people don't care. It's good enough for most people. Or the and people I think that Nintendo's do care aren't well playing it on Switch, right? Say again. I said, and the people that do care aren't playing it on Switch. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you 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 know, if you if you are the kind of person that cares about that, then you make a different choice to begin with. But for the majority of people that just like everything else that the Switch has to offer, they're they're more than happy. Um, I do want just going to go back briefly to what uh, a point that Nanobiology just said that I thought was interesting about you know, I think I think there's two there's there's two sides to the argument about about Days Gone being a platform exclusive title. I think on the one hand, yes, that limits you because you're only selling. Uh, units on one platform not on the xbox or pc or switch or others on the other hand i do think that for people that are on those platforms whether it's playstation or xbox or switch if it's a, if, if they can slap that exclusive only on playstation badge on it i do think as a sony or an whoever, whoever whatever platform it is that you have and that's your platform i think you are more likely to kind of take a look at it because you like the idea that it's it's exclusive to you there's still that tribalism that's there um you know the idea that there's you know, whether it's spider-man or days gone or god of war something that is like, oh yeah only only we get to play this on our platform I do think that those titles get a bit of a closer look from from Sony gamers who like the idea that this isn't for everyone. It's it's just for them and their PlayStation Club, don't you think? I do think that 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 mentality exists. I just, in my head, all I hear is how recently we've just been getting people being so upset about the idea of exclusives in the Epic Game Store and I'm like this just is a perfect reminder that exclusives It's have, always been that way. It, thank you Gary. I feel it's like I've been, been saying that, that forever. Doesn't matter. People still mad. Um, Alright let's move on to the next story. Um, Ouya's Game Store closes for good next month. So this write up comes from Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer. It's the end of the line for Ouya, the Android game console which sprung into life during the Kickstarter boom. Four years 
days after the final Ouya console dropped off the end of the production line, the platform's game store is also being switched off. Razer, which now owns Ouya, is binning off the Forge TV and Mad Cat's Mojo game stores at the same time on June 25th. Ouya owners are being encouraged to make any final purchases and ensure all games they want to keep are downloaded. If you do still have funds in your account, you may want to <laughs> go and spend, spend them. them. Yeah. An FAQ on the shutdown has confirmed that there will be no way of withdrawing the money otherwise. You will continue to have access to the games that have been downloaded, Razor's FAQ states, though any games which require a purchase validation upon launch will not. Contact the game developer for confirmation, Razor concludes. Released back in 2013 after raising $8.5 million via Kickstarter, the Ouya was one of the crowdfunding's highest profile success stories. With some analysts questioning whether the upstart console challenger would disrupt the console market forever but it was not meant to be after shipping enough consoles to fulfill its kickstarter audience ouya struggled to find interest elsewhere within two years it had burnt through a further 25 million from various investors and languished in debt it was at this point that razor swooped in to buy ouya software assets while ending hardware manufacture of the console itself farewell ouya sad it's sad in a way isn't it a little bit i remember when this that kickstarter video was released and that's when the word disrupt was like at a, kind of at its peak. I know people still like to say that things disrupt certain industries, but I mean, it, the the funny part to a lot of people that I know that worked in games industry coverage was that it essentially was providing all of the games you can get on smartphones. And I think smartphones are really what put the nail in the coffin for Ouya. Because if you think about how powerful smartphones were in 2013 compared to where they are today, I mean, if the people who made Ouya had seen where, you know, your Android and iOS operating systems were going. I mean, they probably never would have undertaken this endeavor, right? Right. right. Were you ever, I mean, you, you, I'm sure you remember when the Ouya was, was new and the Kickstarter it was, it was all over. Oh yeah, I have were an Ouya in a, in a closet somewhere. Did you, did you, oh, so you've, so you've played it. <laughs> oh yeah. Did, were you, were you ever optimistic about it or did you no. always feel like it was probably doomed? Oh yeah, it was definitely <laughs> doomed. But I was a big iPad gamer back then. Okay. I hosted a, this week in iPad show like way, way back when. Okay. Where who was that for it was for thisweekend.com okay which no longer exists but you can go and try to find it if you want this weekend ipad was the name of the show and one of the segments that i did was we would feature an ipad game of the week right and so i was constantly playing games on my ipad and so like when the ouya came out i was just like this doesn't make sense to me why you would need this little box to hook up to your tv when you can just play it on your screen on your tablet right but I appreciated what they were doing. I thought it was cool how much money the they raised. I the idea of it. That it was open yeah. source. That it was a, you know, it was, a, it was a new way for developers to get their games in front of you. Um, you know, I, I, I would like to, you know, I like the idea of something kind of disrupting the, the status quo. That's always interesting. Absolutely. And um, that was definitely before both Unity and Unreal Engine changed their licensing policies yeah. to be, they're very much more approachable today than they were back then. Yeah. And so like the whole idea of it being open platform and open source was very appealing to a lot of indie devs but clearly it was not meant to be i don't, I don't know what it is maybe maybe it's just i, I get sentimental about this kind of i never had an ooey i never really cared about it other than just kind of being interested to see how, how it would do so i've got no dog in this fight i just whenever i see a story like this it reminds me of when they switched off the wii shop not long ago um, there was that was quite recently as well, and it had to, there was a, I remember there was a lot of YouTube live streams of like streaming the la, the final hours of the of the Wii Shop with that kind of boppy little music playing. I love and that was, Wii music. I so love much. that music, and it and it's and it and it there was almost kind of a funereal aspect to it like it felt mm-hmm. you know that, that, that when they say we're not going to make harder anymore I, for, I okay fine but like when they flip that switch that turns off a service i don't know there's there's something that then that whole thing just now then just blinks out of existence it's gone yeah never to be seen again there's something really sad even even if it's something like the ouya which no, clearly no one ever really gave a shit about it i don't know it's just kind of sad I'm, i saw the story yesterday and went, so like ouya is dead i'm like really wasn't that years ago but the service it, it, you know, even though they, they stopped making the hardware years ago there was this vestigial tale and i, I imagine there are i got no so I'd, I'd love to talk to some of these people because I'd be fascinated to hear from them. But I imagine there are people out there who were still playing their Ouya's and are really sad about this news. You think so? St- I mean, there's got to be someone. Uh, sure, Gary. There's <laughs> I'm sure be a- there's someone. <laughs> well, I mean, look, they, they only, they, look the, 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 the store the store continued to run 
for four more years after they stopped making someone well, was using I'm it. I'm sure Razor was thinking they want to try to recoup some of this investment by selling software. Right. They were like, hey, we're not going to spend any more money on production um, of the hardware, but for people that already own it, why don't we still try to you know, keep making some money by selling software? Right. When you, they essentially can just put games that are designed for mobile onto the platform, yeah. right? I mean, obviously not every mobile game has controller um, interfaces that are designed for, you know, that kind of an yeah. input scheme. Yeah. But, but that it costs, being said, it costs a, money to maintain these platforms, these servers, right? Yeah. It's not, they, they're not running these servers for free. I would love to know, they'll never release this, but I would love to know like what their daily usage stats were like in the final week. Like, I mean, it could be like just dozens of people. It's like a, literally just a handful of people still hitting the site and purchasing games in the final hours. I wonder how many Ouyas there are in the world, like what their total console sales I were. I imagine there's a lot, but I imagine they're mostly in closets like yours is. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> We've only got so many HDMI ports on the back of our TV. Something's got to give. Ain't that the truth? And Ouya does not get a spot. No, it does not. All right. Farewell, so, Ouya. Goodbye, Ouya. Go with God. All right, next story. World War Z Studio wanted to do a remake of Half-Life 2. This write-up comes from Adam Bankhurst over at IGN. Saber Interactive, the developer behind World War Z, approached Valve with the possibility of having it remake Half-Life 2. However, Valve responded that if a remake does happen, it will be done internally. Game Watcher spoke to Saber Interactive CEO and co-founder Matthew Karch, who discussed an, that after Saber worked on Halo, the Master Chief collection, the team then turned its eyes to Half-Life 2. Quote, after we did Halo Anniversary and Halo 2 Anniversary as part of the Master Chief collection, I reached out to Gabe Newell personally because I knew him from a past life and I said I want to remake Half-Life 2 Karch said that's all I want to do I won't charge you anything for it I'll do it for rev share and it doesn't even need to be a big rev share I just really want to do it because I love that game so much Valve unfortunately for Saber responded by saying sorry if we're going to do it we're going to do it internally Karch like many of us continue to ask the question where's Half-Life he believes Saber is scratching that itch with World War Z on the Left 4 Dead side but Gordon Freeman man he's as iconic as Master Chief, where is it? While we still don't know when or if Half-Life will ever return, we do know that World War Z does a good job of recreating the chaotic zombie-filled fun of Left 4 Dead. And uh, then they talk about uh, some details from their review, which if you guys are interested, of course, you can go on over to their site and check out. Um, I've heard good things about World War Z, but... Yeah, I've got a copy of it. I still still need to play it. We it, should play it. Yeah, I've got it on PlayStation. We should, oh. we should we can finally play a game together. Okay, maybe I can get Brit in on this action, too. Okay, let's do it. She loves I, I, zombie games. I'm, I'm told that with, with, a, with, a, with a, you know, three or four players, it's really, really fun, so we should try it. Okay, I'm mean, trying to get Greg to play with me, but he's flying around the world all what the time. What a jerk. He's in know, Florida right? right now doing a meetup. Um, so what do you think about Half-Life? My theory is that say goodbye. It's never coming back. Even in remake form? Even in remake form. Especially after this story. Yeah. After Valve has said, hey, if they've turned down somebody saying we're not going to charge you. We'll take a really small piece of the rev share just to like recoup our costs. Yeah. But we don't want profits from it. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, what's Valve's deal? Why not just say yes? I, You know, I love Valve and I love Gabe, but... They, they and he frustrate me a lot because of things like this. Mm -hmm. and, and I think a lot of gamers get frustrated. Valve is a unique case. Valve was and remains one of the true, you know, platinum, uh, blue chip, quadruple A game developers out there. One of the greatest game makers of all time. Up there with, with you know, Blizzard and just the best of the best. Um, but they just, but they, but then they came up with another way to make money hand over fist with the, with Steam and the store, mm -hmm. and they just don't need to make games anymore. So they, I guess they just decided... I mean, I imagine somewhere deep within Valve, there are there is a Skunk Works game development going on, but like, when was the last game they even put out? I'm not even going to count Artifact. Well, I wasn't counting Artifact either, but there was another story floating around today. Uh, Valve will develop its own Dota Auto Chess. <laughs> so, um, See, that's more frustrating. Dota Auto Chess, everybody. You know, um, you know, you know it's, it's kind of like <laughs> a lot of the frustration that people have with George R. R. Martin right now. Is like they just want the last two books, but George is like, what about this book? What about this TV show? What about this comic? I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Why don't you just do the things we actually want to do, which is write the last two fucking books? That's like Valve. What about this crazy card game? What about this crazy project? What about this weird VR thing? No, we just want Half-Life 3. Like, how much clearer can we make it? We want Half-Life 3. Or Portal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, and here's the thing. I th I'll 
I'll make I'll make a prediction right now, and I'll be happily happy to be proved wrong. I predicted years ago that Tiger Woods would never win another major, and I was happy to be proved wrong because that was amazing. I'd love to be proved wrong on this. I'll make the prediction now, though. By all means, prove me wrong. Please do it. You'll never see Half Life Three. It'll no. just never happen. You agree? Do it, you cowards, prove him wrong. You, do you agree that it'll just never yeah. happen? Oh no, I'm with you. I mean, I can't tell you how many news stories over the course of my career reporting on video games I've done about Half-Life 3 rumors. I've seen so many over so many years from so many sources that I'm just like, no, it's not going to happen. I'm with you, though. I would like to be proved wrong. I would love to see Valve get back into making games selfishly because I want Portal 3. Oh, my God. I want want all the threes. I want Half-Life 3, Left 4 Dead 3, and and I want Portal 3. 3. I want a new orange. I can imagine if they did an orange box, too. How amazing amazing would that be? (laughs) That would instantly be the biggest news story of the decade. Orange Box 2. Oh, I think that that Team could... Fortress 3, I want that. I want all of these. I. It's sad, honestly. It's what what just are they doing tr- over there? Rolling around Just rolling in around like Scrooge money. McDuck yeah. in all this fucking money. Mm-hmm. They don't need to... I, to be fair, here's the thing. Let me ask you this question. Right. If, you, if you had a billion dollars in your bank account tomorrow, would you work another day in your life? Yes, absolutely. You would, you would still feel the need to work? Of course. You wouldn't just go sit on a beach? I would do that for a little while, right? But you, but you would eventually feel the need to absolutely. make something? Well, we just talked about, in uh, we just did a video um, for, for What's Good where we had a topic of which books you would make into video games. And I said, if I won the lottery, I would open a studio or I would pay a studio to make a video game on the Mistborn series. Okay. So like, Gary, give me a billion dollars and I will make a video game. You'd be like Howard Hughes, and this is a great story about Howard Hughes. His favorite, he had this, this favorite ice cream flavor that he liked. And then uh, and he would have it shipped to his to his mansion. He, I can't remember what the flavor was or the manufacturer. There's a famous story mm. about Howard I Hughes. Know. I think it was like a banana pecan, like a weird flavor. Like a weird it sounds flavor. good, right? Yeah. Um, and they stopped making it. But he loved the ice cream so much, he bought the ice cream company and told him to resume making it just so that he could have his favorite flavor. See? That's the kind of thing when you're super rich that you can do. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so a fun I would, story. So I would, I, I'm the same. If I, so if I was put in charge, here's a, whether or not I'm in charge of anything, I'll just tell you what I want. We're never going to get Half-Life 3. I, I would love it, but we're never going to get it. it. And here's the thing. It's, so, it, it, it's taken on such mythic status now that unless they absolutely created like the greatest 11 out of 10 game of all time, they, at this point, they cannot possibly meet expectations, which maybe is the reason why they're not doing it. Um, but I would kill for... Just uh, the next best best thing is maybe this, like a really great all singing, all dancing, 4K, 60 frame per second, Half-Life 2 Ultra remake. Maybe throw in Half-Life 1 as Mm. well, put them both together. I mean, why not? Some of the, I don't know if you've ever played like Black Mesa or something like that, but some of the fan remakes of Half-Life 1 are actually pretty good. Um, Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2 is one of those, one of my all-time favorite games. It's one of the few games that... I will go back and I'll still play it again today. And it still feels fresh. It still feels amazing. It, you know, obviously, graphically, it, it's showing its age, but it's still an amazing game. It's such a terrific candidate for... Um, uh, Orange Box remaster? For, for some kind of remaster. Mm. If it were any other co- if it was any other company that wasn't swimming in money like Valve, you probably would have seen it by now. Because here's the other thing. It would, you would sell a lot. You would make a lot of money on Half-Life 2. But, for, but for, for Valve... It's a drop in the bucket at this point. They're making so much money that they just don't really need to make games anymore. I mean, I, I, I get, prove me wrong. They're not making games anymore. If they, the, I just don't know what they're doing over that. What are all the people? I mean, they're about supporting doing? Dota, right? So that's they support impor- Dota. That's important to remind people of. But like, in the idea that they're only doing game development around Dota is frustrating for people like me who never were attracted to to Dota as a game, and it's just. It's like I said, it's a head scratcher. I don't understand why. Maybe Epic Game Store is just going to come in and have to eat their lunch so hard that they're like, oh, shit. Should we go we back better, to making games? We go get back to making games. Here's, here's the thing. I don't know. I, like, if, you ask, if you ask my prediction, they clearly, I, I believe strongly there are people, teams inside Valve right now mm-hmm. working on games, whether that's the next Half Life or the next three, you know, the version three of whatever the franchise we just talked about or something totally new. There are people in there making games. But because they have infinite money, they have the, the infinite money cheat code that they typed in a few years ago. Yeah. They don't 
need to. They don't need. Here's another. They don't need to make the games. Is they don't need to put games out, and they certainly don't need to rush them. There's no crunch. There's no deadline. Nothing's announced. They'll work on things. If it doesn't meet their standards, they'll scrap it, or they'll read. They'll start over, and they'll just get. And they'll. It'll, something will come when it's when it's ready. So they they have a very they have a very privileged position over at Valve to develop games completely on their own terms. And I think they are perfectionists over there. They're like Pixar. They'll get halfway through a movie, and if they're not happy with it, they'll just scrap it and start over. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably what they're doing over there the next the next big game and i'm not counting artifact the next big game you see from valve will probably be really great because it'll only be when they're confident that it's worthy of their brand that they will put something out but in the meantime we we just all have to wait kevin did you have something you wanted to add yeah i just wanted to say like making a game is, is is a risk like regardless if it's a widely anticipated game at the end of the day you have to put a lot of money in it and you're not sure of the returns. and I Are think you giving like, them an out, Kevin? No, I'm just saying, like, this is a company. Like, it's much easier to build a platform where other people can sell their games and they can just get a cut from it, right? Like, well, obviously. So I just, I feel like that's why they're not making games anymore. I mean, that, you know that's I mean? exactly why, right? But... Just, but I don't think Valve has to. Valve doesn't have to worry. Ooh, making games is exp- are expensive. Again, they've got they've got no shortage of money, and they're pretty. Again, it's pretty likely that any game the they thing. do put out is going to be a financial success because like, it's Valve and it's probably going to be really good. And they have their own proprietary platform. But they yeah. could make it a, a Steam exclusive store, but right. that's, or that's excuse not, me, Steam exclusive game. That's not how like businesses work. It's not like oh, you have as much money. Like go ahead and invest in this if it's strategically more financially like viable. To not make a game and make know that you're going to have X amount of money coming in, you know, I feel like I think you don't understand how money gets spent in game dev (laughs) because people take those risks all the time. Even take a look at Epic. But Epic was making money hand over fist Uh with Unreal Engine before Fortnite was even a game. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Before Fortnite happened, they had absolutely no reason to publish another game, right? Because they hadn't forever. You know, like back in the Unreal Tournament days. I mean, so Epic yeah, took Unreal a long, Engine is basically Epic, Epic Steam Store. It's their big, yeah, their but big like Paragon store. was like their first big thing back into video game development that was actually like a really robust title for them until they canceled it. Um, but then Fortnite happened, and now they're making quadruple if not you know 5x the money they were making just from unreal engine Mm -hmm. so i just like i think that i absolutely understand your point and you're right that like they have no motivation i think that's just what we're saying is that they have no reason to do it but i think gary's point is but when you have all that money why not why not give something why not take a chance because like it's not going to really hurt your bottom line that much they could but drop. Like it, they could even drop just a like a couple of million into R and D to start like the concept art process, and they, they would make that money back in a week on on Steam. You know. I mean, maybe right. Like, isn't isn't that the, the thing that like they're not. It's not Kevin, like you're, you're be on our side. It is a weird situation, and, I, and I'd love to <laughs> yeah. get, in, get inside Gabe's head on it. There's there's two arguments. One is, yeah, they they don't they don't ever need to work a day in their life again, other than to maintain the Steam store because they make so much money. On the one hand, that company was formed by people who love games and want to make games, and you don't stop loving games and wanting to make games just because you don't need to anymore. True. And they are sitting again. It's it's a weird thing to but, think about. They're sitting on two or three or four of the biggest, most valuable IP in games. Portal, Left 4 Dead, Team Fortress, and Half-Life are four of the, the biggest names in games. And any one of those, the next iteration, would be another license to print money for them. I think they're more concerned about the reputational risk. They don't want to put out anything that isn't considered, oh my god, the next fantastic, amazing game from Valve. Oh yeah, the, the bar would be incredibly high. Yeah. Alright, one more thing, Kevin, that I gotta move on. Okay, I know I was just gonna say, like, yeah, it was formed by a bunch of people that like making games, but like, how many of those people are still there, and like, how much bigger is it now? Game is still there. From what I understand, there's still quite a few of those people yeah, there. But, but like, aren't there a lot of more people that are now like working, working on, on Vive and other yeah, things? Exactly. So yeah, of course, Portal VR, make it happen. All right, here we go. Mario Kart Tour Beta locks powerful rare characters behind the paywall. This comes from Liz Lanier over at Variety Gaming. Uh, Mario Kart Tour seems poised to have several monetization elements, including a four-pay rare characters based on leaked info from its current beta period in Japan as shared on Reset Era. The mobile game will be free to play, so of course Nintendo needs to make money from Mario Kart Tour somehow. Still, some fans are concerned about the amount of microtransactions the game will have upon its full release. Those screenshots and... The like are not meant to be shared during the closed beta. Some users have taken to Twitter 
Uh, most can be found by searching this Japanese username, and you have to go over to Variety to get that, or just head to the Reset Era thread. Uh, beta is not a full picture, and it says on the website for the game that in-game purchases are not available during the beta test, so even those currently playing can't have full, a full grasp on how invasive the microtransactions will be for the game. He pointed out that there are multiple multi-level gacha for driver. What gacha. Is gacha? Do you know what that is? Uh, we should Google that. It's a Japanese word. For drivers, carts, and gliders. Oh, wait. Meaning the players need to spend virtual currency to unlock these in-game elements. The thing about virtual currency is that it can be usually earned in-game, but it can also be unlocked by spending real-world dollars. The other option was for Nintendo to release the game at a one-time cost rather than the free-to-play with microtransactions model, but that seems to be happening less and less as it limits the potential for publishers to make more and more revenue from a single game. Fortnite, Brawl Stars, and other top mobile games follow the free-to-play model with great success. As for the game itself, beyond monetization, initial impressions of screenshots and the like are being shared around. It looks like classic Mario Kart in portrait mode with a gameplay a bit more simplified. <coughs> the racer reportedly just drives automatically and players have to steer by pulling to the left or to the right. The expected characters are present. Mario, Luigi, Peach, Bowser, Toad, Yoshi, and others. And some characters like Luigi are classified as rare and behind a virtual paywall. Okay. Um, I was anticipating that this could potentially be the big hit for Nintendo on mobile since their previous modal titles were good and they did pretty well, but... I thought Super Mario Run was very good. You did? Yes. I, I, I thought as it's as good as an implementation of Mario on mobile you're going to get. Oh, I just you disagree so? fundamentally. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? I wanted a jumping ability in a Mario game. You could jump. That was the one thing you could do is jump. Right, but like more control. The way okay. that the game played, it felt more like a side-scrolling runner. Yeah, it was like an endless runner. Right, than a, than a Mario game. Right. Where you can, you know, very strategically jump because it's platforming, right? Yeah. But, and so I didn't really care for it in that sense. Yeah. I remember when... Super Mario Run and Sonic Jump kind of release at the same time. The the running gag was, oh, they just swapped their their abilities because right. Sonic was more of a jumping focus game and Mario was more of a runner. Right. And they were like, well, Sonic should have been the runner and Mario should the have jumper, had more yeah. jumping Jump puzzles. Um, so not to say, again, like it's all relative, right? But if you think about the mobile gaming market, I mean, both of their biggest titles, I mean, with the exception of Fire Emblem, which is still great and still doing gangbusters from that for them. Um, both of those titles, um, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Oh, Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. They like lit the world on fire when they released and then they fizzled very quickly um, as far as like worldwide engagement goes. When mm-hmm. you look at the mobile market, you compare it to some of the people that have been on the leaderboards for years, you know, your candy crushes of the worlds, for example. Um, I I was hoping that Mario uh, World Kart World Tour was going to be like the big thing that kind of really got people excited about Nintendo mobile games. Yeah. But based off what I've seen so far... I would need to play it myself, but having there be an automatic gas, I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't yeah, know. It's the, same, it's the same as the automatic running in Mario Run, right? Yeah. You just, you, all, all you do in Mario Run is jump, and all you do in uh, Mario Kart Tour, it appears, is steer. Yeah, so essentially it's on rails for a Mario Kart game that's very non-traditional. Yeah, I mean, I can, so I, I totally, I, I can kind of see why they've gone to this model. As, as I remember, as I recall, Nintendo said that Mario Run, which had that very basic uh, revenue model of you essentially get the demo version for free, and then you make a one-time fee of ten dollars, and you get and, and you get the whole game, and that's that's basically it. You never they never ask you for money again. I like that model. Nintendo, I think, came out and said that they didn't make as much money on Mario Run as they wanted to. So, I, so it's not surprising to me that they're not copying that model again. They're trying something else. Um, I personally, I don't have a problem in principle with microtransactions. It all comes down to how you implement them. Right. Um, you know, it, it, and it's, and it's, it, it, at this point, I think there's a whole school, we're, we're learning this, it's, it's brand new, it's a whole new um, area of game design that we're learning is how can you monetize your game to maximum effectiveness while not exploiting or annoying players? And it's, you're trying to find that sweet spot right in the middle where you make as much money as possible, but you don't aggravate or exploit players or do anything dangerous that could you know that, that could get you in trouble with you know the same way that ea and other people have failed at this in the past so we, we're lear- we're learning every time i think we're, we're going to find that that microtransaction sweet spot um i do i do wonder if 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 nintendo's 
philosophy of just taking their classic games like Animal Crossing, like Super Mario and like Mario Kart, and just putting slimmed down versions on them on mobile is the right approach. Maybe they just need to bite the bullet and do like some bullshit Mario Match 3 emoji game. Dude, I, mean, I would be all over that. I think they have too much integrity for that, but that's that. they would probably make more money doing that. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Um, there's certainly a lot to be said about, you know, microtransactions. We, do, we, we don't need to rehash this, especially since we're like very close to being out of time. Um, but I think it's interesting if you guys want to take a look. The the leaked beta footage is everywhere. I'm going to personally try this myself and see how the microtransactions are once it releases here in, in the U.S. Um, um, kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong if you guys have a release date in the U.S. for Mario Kart Tour. I don't think we do, but let me know. Um, and then one last thing before we end and quickly run through the rest of the show. Um, I put some required reading on here and because I thought it was a really important statement by Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox. I'm not going to read everything I put into the doc here because there's just not time, but at Xbox P3 is his Twitter handle, um, or I believe it's on the um, blogs.microsoft.com. But essentially, he wrote a, a very great post called Video Games, A Unifying Force for the World. Um, essentially, he says, I believe in two fundamental truths about gaming. First, gaming is for everyone. Second, gaming must promote and protect the safety of all. And it talks about his commitment to um, inclusivity and safety in the Xbox ecosystem. He talks about the 2.6 billion person strong community of gamers around the world and how it's comprised of kids and parents and teenagers and adults and elderly and how you know, the idea of who a gamer is, 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 has changed and includes everybody. And it's a really great thing. And then he explicitly details what Xbox is going to do um, to make their communities a safer and more inclusive place. And I thought it was a really fantastic blog post. So um, at Xbox P3, again, if you want to check out Phil Spencer's statement on um, gaming on the Xbox platforms. All right. But... I was going to do some kind of fun segue here, but now I've got to rush through everything. So, Gary, if I wanted to know what was coming to the Mom and Grab Digital Shops today, where would I go? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. <laughs> Out today. Wait, i got to do some sponsor reads first. Oh, okay. This episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Quip. It's time for spring cleaning and Quip's got an easy way to start with your brushing habits. Just two minutes twice a day can help pave the way to a healthier mouth and mind and now the whole family can get refreshed with Quip. The new kids Quip has the same two minute timer and guiding pulses as our original version with no childish gimmicks so they can brush just like a grown up. The new brush is the same as our original version just tweaked for size down mouths. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the products the adults in their life use and they're proud to use Quip. Help them develop a grown up routine without childish gimmicks. A kid-friendly features like a small brush head, watermelon anti-cavity toothpaste, and rubber grip handles and colors the little ones will love. Up to 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. And a friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. And they're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals. And they have thousands of verified five-star reviews. You know that Greg loves his Quip and I love my Quip. Because we talk about traveling with our Quips all the time. And in fact, Greg has his in Florida right now. Join over 1 million happy, healthy mouths. Quip starts at just 25 bucks, And if you go to getquip.com slash games, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash games. Also, this episode of Kind of Honey Games Daily is brought to you by Third Love. Third Love is making amazing bras that Gia Jen and all the kind of honeys are wearing on a daily basis, and they've got the perfect bra for you. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. Find your fit with Third Love's online Fit Finder, order, and try it at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences. Use the Fit Finder quiz by answering just a few simple questions to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. Over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date. 
It's actually pretty fun, and it takes less than a minute to complete. Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, including their signature half-cup sizes, and it helps you identify your breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, return it, and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit, and they're available every day via text, chat, or phone. Plus, returns and exchanges are free and easy. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash games to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash games for 15% off today. Out today, speaking of today... We've got Splitgate Arena Warfare on PC, The Last Door Collector's Edition on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, Gunlord X on Switch, Gladiabots on PC, Mechanic Mechanic Miner on PC, Plague of Days on PC, First Day on PC, Caliper 2 on PC, and Biotope on PC and Mac. I actually don't have any new dates or deals of the day, so if you've got one, kindfunny.com slash you're wrong. And I think we've got time for just a single question in reader mail. Which one of these is speaking to you, Gary? I'm looking at the, there's a THQ one. Is it just these two? It, there should you be pick. three. Oh, there's, there's one a third, on the oh, last page. Yeah. Let's see. What's up, guys? Mm. I don't know. What do you like? How about... Well, if you don't want to do the one directed at you, we can do the second one. Let's do the second one. All right. From DJ Brad Chill. What's good, guys? I ran across this article claiming that THQ Nordic has close to 50 unannounced games in their development pipeline and just 80 games in development overall. That is a fuckle ton of games to have in development at once, is it not? I'm totally expecting that most of these have to be smaller titles and possible remasters with all of the IP that they have bought in the past months, but it still seems excessive. Do you guys think this developmental shotgun approach could be successful for THQ Nordic and a critical sense or that simply these games are destined to be mid-tier smaller scale games will this approach be financially successful also nostalgia will only take you so far unless it's done well example being the crash remasters i'm really hoping that i'm wrong that we will get some really dope stuff from thq nordic in the future thanks dj brad chill I mean, it's, I mean, this almost become like a running gag on the show now, hasn't it? THQ Nordic. It is. So, interesting story. I can't tell you about the games that I played at the THQ Nordic event that I went to at Judges oh, Week. But I can up. tell you that I spoke to um, one of the members of THQ Nordic. And we were having a little, a little joke about how many titles they've been acquiring over the last several months. And he said, yeah, it's close to 200 IPs now. Damn. Close to 200 IPs that they have acquired. That is bananas. That's an incredible amount of intellectual property for one company to own. Yes, it's insane. And like the idea that they have 50 games in development. How are they? Do we we know where their money comes from? Do they have like a a rich, like a billionaire guy that's just funding all this or something? Because this, I mean, it's, you think about what they must be spending to acquire all this IP and to develop all these games. Yeah. That's a great question. So back in February of this year, over at gamesindustry.biz, there was a story called THQ Nordic raises $225 million for further acquisitions. Now, $225 million, a lot of money. When you have 50 unannounced games in development, though, $225 million, spread that or spread, spread, thin. A, spread yeah. a little thin, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this says just for further acquisitions. This doesn't specifically reference game development. Um, so... It's important um, to remember that they have been around for a while. It's just been in the last really six to 12 months that we've been seeing tons of stories about them acquiring new stuff. So it's hard to know like how many of these games have been in development and for how long. But some of this, again, I know you can't talk about it, but some of this stuff is actually on the horizon because you played some of these games. Correct. So we are, this is, at some point, we're going to stop talking about how they're developing so many games and actually have to see some of these games. And there is like a first wave of new titles coming. Yes. Okay. Danny O'Dwyer had a funny tweet earlier today where it was two pictures. One was the headline of, you know, THQ Nordic now has 50 games in development. And the other one was a screenshot 
of Katamari Damashi of like a planet-sized <laughs> Katamari where it just basically collected everything you can possibly collect. It was now the size of Katamari is now the size of planet Earth because that's, that's essentially what THQ Nordic is becoming, just this v- massive Katamari just rolling around and picking up everything it encounters. Yeah, there was also a story on Gamasutra from last summer, last June, where they raised $168 million for future acquisitions. So just between those two stories, and that's not me digging very deep, that's, you know, um, close to four hundred million in in money raised for acquisitions. I, I also would be curious who these investors are because are they going to get a return on their money? Don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I can't. I, do, do you really think that all fifty of these games are going to see the light of day? Oh, absolutely not. Definitely not. If we have any indication of how game development works, like there's no way that all fifty of these are going to make it to the finish line. Yeah. Like, and if they do, like, I will eat my words and be like, wow, I am very impressed. THQ Nordic, good job. Um, but I mean, it just, there's, even if, let's say, let's go down this hypothetical road where all 50 of these unannounced games are going to be released, there's definitely no way that all of them are going to be financially solvent. There's no, no way all 50 of them make their money back. That just will not happen. They must, they must have some kind of business model that allows for a certain amount of, um, you know, some of these games aren't going to make it. Some of these games aren't going to make, even if they do, won't make, won't make their money back. Again, the, the, just the, the economics of, of how they're juggling their, their resources are, is fascinating to me. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think that um, it's a little bit of a head scratcher, but, you know, I guess we'll wait and see. E3's around the corner. Maybe we'll see a big announcement from them. Um, like we've said, they've acquired several IPs, you know, over the last, um, over the last year or so. And so maybe they'll debut something on like the Xbox stage or something. Maybe, maybe it's just totally insane. Maybe it is what it looks like. Just total insanity. I mean, sure. I mean, if, 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 if tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, you saw a story pop up that says THQ Nordic collapses, goes into administration because what they were doing was fucking insane. Would you be, would you be all that surprised? No, No, I wouldn't be. No, definitely not. But it's important to know there was a story that came out today over at gamesindustry.biz. Metro Exodus recoups all costs, boosts Q1 revenue at THQ Nordic. So it says... So they are making some money. Yeah, apparently. But I thought that Deep Silver was the publisher of Metro Exodus. No, but if, in, if in doubt, it's THQ Nordic. Yeah, it says uh, Metro Exodus boosted THQ Nordic's revenue in the first quarter with the publisher confirming that 4A Games Shooter has recouped all of its production and marketing costs. It's crazy. In the three-month period ended March 31st, 2019, the THQ Nordic group earned the equivalent of roughly 151 million euros in revenue, up 158% over the same quarter last year. It's operational... EBIT for the period was um, whatever <laughs> I don't know what, what that currency is. Uh, it's close to thirty-seven million, a two hundred and seventeen percent year-on-year increase. I just hope they've got a really good, you know, uh, whoever their chief operating officer, whoever it is, it's the job it is to make sure that the books balance at the end of the day, and then yeah. and they're not doing something that's totally, totally um unsustainable i i hope that's true because i, I want to you know i always want to believe that that, that 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 whatever anyone's doing will be successful i wanted to believe in the ouya like we were saying uh, earlier in the show i want to believe that thq nordic knows what they're doing and we're going to see a bunch of great games but on the even to a layman on from the outside it, it, it just sounds crazy yeah 200 ip i'm with you i think it sounds crazy as well i'm trying to look up this pause on this site it's mad at me because I have an ad blocker on. <laughs> they do that. It's like, turn your ad blocker off. And by the way, I do whitelist for sites that I support. Um, all right, here we go. Um, Metro Exodus sales have been pretty darn good. It's become the largest game launch so far in the history of the THQ Nordic group. Uh, recent re- releases extended financial report. Um, yeah, I guess, is Deep Silver underneath THQ Nordic? Did I... Did I not know I, that that happened? I think maybe they are, yeah. But huh. there was a story about them acquiring them a, a while ago. Well, wouldn't be surprised. They're buying everything. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to Squad Up. Um, this week's Squad Up is, this week, I should say today's, is Elliot. He's playing on Xbox One. He says, I am looking to Squad Up for Apex Legends and Overwatch. Overwatch, I am gold plat ranked and need a 
good high tier squad that can run together. Apex, I have won 30 matches solo queue, but it gets frustrating to play with randoms off mic. Looking for some skilled players. Elliot's Xbox One gamer tag is Rel. Rel Selly 66. R-E-L-L-S-E-L-I 66. Of course, it will be in the show notes okay. for you guys if you want to play some Overwatch or some Apex with Elliot. All right, Gary. Yes. This is the time of the show where we go You're to wrong. kind of You're wrong. And we check out what we've screwed up. Okay. Let me see what we've screwed up today, Gary. It's I don't know if we screwed anything up, but I think there were a couple of things that we didn't know that maybe people have helped us out on. Let's let's find out. Let's find out indeed. Let me just format this real quick. I didn't delete the ones from yesterday. That's what happens when Greg is gone. All right. Um, oh, nanobiologist, thank you for putting the kind of funny meet and greet details in. Again, 7 to 10 p.m. tonight at the Deadly Sins Brew. Um, do, 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 do. All right. I'm looking through these here. Um, okay. Uh, the nanobiologist says the guaranteed to love a deal is only applicable to days gone and you get it in store credit for it. Just a clarification. The guaranteed to love a deal is only applicable one to game? one title. That can't be right. They, uh, they, I mean, they, changes, they brought in a special right? deal just for one title. It doesn't make sound right. I, I think it like doesn't. It move and it around? says it's gu- the guaranteed to love. It was also 48 hours from the launch of the game, not from purchase and only ran for three days post launch. Oh, well, that's nowhere near as good as I thought it was. That sounds wrong. I knew it was oh, too good to be true. A new game stop. We never oh, do anything that so good. So somebody else says the guaranteed, the guaranteed to love deals only on select games from game jumper X and says that it is 48 hours from release, not 48 hours from, from purchase. purchase. That's a very important wow. distinction so it's only if you to buy make. Like right at launch. Right. I knew it was too good to be. Joining GameStop would never do anything that That's good. Terrible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's I was not just terrible. I was it's, waiting it's, for the other shoe to drop than on what that it one. Was. I mean, many other stores don't give you the opportunity to return it once you've purchased it. I don't know. That just seems like a, a barely trying. I mean, sure. You could. I agree that it's Andrea, it's not fuck ideal. Them. I hate them. They're the worst. Wow. 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 How dare you? <laughs> wow. Um. Okay. Um, let's see here. Um, um, oh, uh, the nanobiologist says Ouya shipped only 58,000 consoles, and the most popular game, Towerfall Ascension, sold about 7,000 copies. Wow. Yikes. Those are not good numbers. <laughs> the most popular game on Ouya sold 7,000 copies. Oh, but then Kebabs comes in and says the Ouya sold about 1 million units in as of May 2013. Just under a year after release. Okay. Hmm. So those are wildly different who, I numbers. Know, yeah, I don't know who to believe there. Well, those are both regular contributors, so... It's, it must have been more than 58,000. The nanobiologist, the flavor Howard Hughes bought Baskin-Robbins over was banana nut. Oh, I was close. I said big banana pecan. I was close. Yeah. Right. Also, Technically, pecan is a nut. I, I read in there that he uh, ordered like 350 gallons. Yeah, he used to buy in in huge amounts. But then like when it arrived, it it took a while to arrive and when it came, he was like didn't like it. Like he was on to newer flavors. Oh, okay. Also important from the nanobiologist, Valve bought Campo Santo, who's making the In the Valley of the Gods. Yeah, that's right, because Sean Vanneman so there uh, works up there now. Technically a Valve game. Yeah, there's published. an acquisition from Campo Santo, that's right. But come on, again, that's not what, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say that's not what we want. Of course I want a new game from Campo Santo, but what we really want are those core Valve properties. It's just not worth it for We them. want all the threes. Um, Jambas92 says Gasha is short for Gasha Pond, which refers to a random drop capsule by toy machines in Japan. Okay. Good. All See, right. I learned something there. Um, Kebab says Sonic Run is actually called Sonic Dash. It was the first game the sub-series released in early 2013. The one competing with Mario Run was 2015 Sonic Runners, featuring the same gameplay as Sonic Dash, but from side on. All right. Thank you. Um, I don't like it, Andrea. You don't like it? No. Get out of here, Sonic. Get out of here! I know, I didn't like it either. Um, Although, well, I guess I don't know what you thought about. Sorry, I'm still looking through these. There's a lot of things. Deal of the day from Mizuki. Guacamelee 1 and Grid 2 are free on Steam right now. Sims 4 is also free on Origin for PC. Oh, yeah, I saw that yesterday. You can get Sim- the Sims 4 for free. All is excited somewhere. Yeah. Why, thank you. Um, also, Giant Robot Gaming says deals of the day. The brand new PSVR Moss and Astro Boy bundle is currently uh, Astro Bot, I believe he means. Bundle is currently on sale on Google Express for one seventy nine. Oh, that is a good deal. 
for the PSVR headset in those two games. Those two 179? games 179? Yeah. That's good. Google Express, everybody. That's really cheap. Um, all right. There's definitely... Um, so, Lord of Pounds says, THQ Nordic owns Deep Silver. Thank you. I, we did do this that eventually, but I appreciate the confirmation. Um, and it says, Lord of Pound clarification, THQ Nordic owns Coke Media, which owns Deep Silver, for even more clarification. Okay. All right. So, um, to do, to do... Oh, the 58,000 OUYA sales were just from the Kickstarter. Okay, got it. That makes more sense. Okay, got it. All right, and that is going to be it for the show. Don't forget, Tim and Greg are in Florida tonight from 7 to 10 p.m. Go say hi to them if you are in the Winter Park, Florida area. Details again at Game Over Greggy on Twitter is the easiest way. Uh, I believe the details are also posted in the Kind of Funny Facebook group. Um, And I will be back tomorrow with Fran and then... Who Frandria. Is, who, yeah, Frandria on Thursday. And then it's Fran. And then Snowbike Mike is back Woo! on Friday. Oh my Should God, be lots wait. of fun. Don't forget to participate at patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. We love you guys. Goodbye.